Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, over the last several weeks, we have been talking about the reality that we live in a digital world. If the COVID-19 pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we can do almost anything online. So for the first couple months of the pandemic, I literally never left my house. Uh, We shopped online. We worked online. We did school online. We stayed in touch with, with other people online. We went to church online. The only reason that I basically ever left the house was to have groceries dropped into the trunk of my car in a parking lot pickup at the grocery store. And that was it. Social media was already a huge part of our lives, but all of a sudden, it became the main part of our lives. For some of us, it became the only part of our lives. And while there are a lot of benefits to living in this online world, the downsides became more and more obvious. Now, I don't know about you, but I started to feel these pressures of living in this digital world more and more. There was this pressure to be liked, loved, and followed online at all costs. Um, Feeling discouragement from not being as good as the people that I see in my newsfeed every day. Uh, There's the, the pressure to spend hours just getting lost in the haze of the scroll on my phone and losing focus on things that mattered. Navigating what's true and what isn't in the posts that are shared was a pressure, and then not getting drawn into these ugly ongoing debates and arguments about which side is right. Now, we've talked about all of these things over the last several weeks, but there were other pressures. I personally, I felt pressure from people when I would post something about the value of black lives or about the developing science behind COVID and the pressure was that I felt from other people was that I was being too political. And then I felt pressure when I didn't post anything at all, that my silence made me complicit in things that are wrong. I could post a Bible verse one day and be criticized online by some who think that the meaning behind that verse is too liberal. And in the same post, be criticized by others who think that I'm being too conservative. There are some who think I'm being too direct and then others who think that I'm being too passive. And I know that you know exactly how I feel because if you are online at all, you are feeling the exact same pressures that I am. It's not unique to me. We are all just swimming in the same pool, right? If the water's cold, we all feel cold. If somebody pees in the pool, we are all swimming in it. In fact, maybe that sums up 2020 exactly. Someone peed in the pool and we're all just swimming in it. So again, I don't know about you, but for me, the temptation is to just get out of the pool completely when that happens. Or if everyone else is going to pee in the pool, I might as well do it too. So before we just get off of social media completely, or make the decision to go all in and act like the lowest common denominator on social media, I want to ask a question that if we answer, I think it could help us a lot. And it's this. If Jesus had come in 2020, what would his social media look like? What would Jesus post? So I think this is a fair question because John, one of Jesus's closest disciples and one of his best friends, he wrote this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So 
Apart from being a completely memorable, memorable verse that you should probably memorize, if you're a Christian, you should live your life like Jesus did. You should do what he did. You should talk like he talked, value what he valued. And just because Jesus didn't have social media, it doesn't mean that we can't get a good idea of how he would use it. Because Jesus was social before social media existed. And we have a pretty good record in the Gospels of how he lived and how he related with other people. So knowing that if we say we live in God, that we should live our lives as Jesus did, I want to answer the question, if Jesus had come in 2020, what would his social media look like? And what would Jesus post? So before we get started, I want you to know that we could probably come up with dozens of things that Jesus would and wouldn't do on social media that relate directly with things that he did 2,000 years ago. You could probably come up with a bunch right now. But rather than give you an exhaustive, detailed list, I want to share three ways that I think Jesus would post. And I also think that these three things cover all of the others. In other words, if we did these three things, it would lead us to do all of the other things. So what would Jesus's Facebook, his Instagram, and his Twitter look like? What would he post? And the first is this. I believe that Jesus would follow, share, and retweet people who don't follow him. Jesus, if you didn't know this, Jesus was constantly criticized for the people that he was associated with. In fact, Luke 15 verses 1 and 2 says this, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. You see, in Jesus' ancient Jewish culture, the term sinners... It was used to describe basically anyone who didn't live by the Jewish law or live up to the Jewish law. It meant that everyone who wasn't Jewish, uh, people who were called Gentiles, and everyone who was Jewish but clearly weren't living by the standards laid out in the Torah or Jewish law, that they were sinners. That strict law, it prohibited social interaction with sinners as well. It prohibited being associated with them in any way. That means that Jesus was violating Jewish tradition every single time he went into the home of a sinner and hung out with one of them. Even worse were quote-unquote notorious sinners. Now this category, this term was reserved for the worst of the worst. Prostitutes, Roman sympathizers, thieves. These were outcasts from Jewish society, people who had rejected everything religious that good religious, good religious Jews valued. They were a different class. They were a different level of sinner. And it was unheard of for a Jewish rabbi or teacher like Jesus to have anything to do with notorious sinners. But then Jesus chose a notorious sinner. He chose a tax collector named Matthew to be one of his closest disciples. And then Jesus ate meals with them in their homes. And he developed these personal relationships with people who were totally different than him, who believed different than him, who lived differently than, than him, who were outcasts from society. And in that, he models for us a world in which we, his followers, who are living like him, engage with and embrace people who are totally different from us. 
Not just different than us, but people who would hate us because of what we believe. Look at what Luke chapter 7 says. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. The Pharisees loathed Jesus. And their actions actually ultimately led to his death. And he still hung out with them. He ate in the homes of people who were amoral and unreligious. And he ate in the homes of people who were super religious, even self-righteous. Jesus' list of friends and followers would be so diverse that people wouldn't even know what to think when they look at it. Now, our tendency in the world that we live in is to surround ourselves with people who look like us and think like us, who believe like us, vote like us, talk like us, listen to the same music we do. We, we use the unfriend button like a weapon against people that we disagree with, as if I'm going to punish them for having different opinion or different worldviews than we do. But that wasn't Jesus' way. He engaged with people who were completely different than him and who totally disagreed with them. The second way that Jesus would post is that Jesus would post in love. Jesus genuinely loved people, and that love affected how he spoke to them. It affected how he treated them. And one time, this super rich guy who thought that he had everything figured out, he came up to Jesus to prove how smart he was, how spiritual he was. He wanted to prove to Jesus and to everyone else around that he got it. So he repeated Jesus' teachings about loving God and loving our neighbors, and he told Jesus in front of everybody that he lived that way, that he did all of that. He's good. Now Jesus, he knew that this guy's heart was all wrong. He knew that this guy wanted recognition, that he was driven by pride and vanity. And so Jesus told him this. He told him he needed to sell all of his possessions and give the money to the poor. And we're told that when Jesus said this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had so many possessions and he was unwilling to do what Jesus asked him to. Now, if someone was unwilling to do what I told them to do, I'd be like, okay, whatever, dude. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, right? You're going to get what's coming to you. You know, have fun with that. But that wasn't what Jesus felt at all. That wasn't Jesus's attitude in any way. In fact, we see in, in Mark chapter 10, in the middle of the story, that looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Even with people who didn't get it, who didn't follow him, who didn't do what he taught, he genuinely loved them. And not in a, you know, a love of all humanity sort of way, but in a, you are a unique and individual person with value to me sort of way. It motivated Jesus. It drove Jesus. Matthew 9, 36 says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he saw people, when he was around people, he had compassion on them. He loved them. If Jesus looked at the profile pics of his friends and followers on social media, do you know what he would feel? He would feel love, compassion, empathy, caring. Ephesians 5 says this. It says, imitate God, live like Jesus, therefore in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. 
knowing this, when you post, does what you say reflect love and care for the people who are reading it? Does the language that you use when you post, does it show kindness and compassion? Do you share things that show genuine love for people who, who don't get it, who don't believe what you believe, and who even think you're flat wrong? Everything Jesus would post would be put up in love, and it would be put up with the good of other people in mind to encourage them, to love them, to lift them up, and to lead them into the truth. And as Jesus posts, so should you. And then finally, the final way that Jesus would post is that Jesus would post with purpose. Jesus was always intentional about his purpose on this earth. It took priority over everything else in his life. It guided every decision that he made. So what was Jesus' purpose? He told us in his own words in Luke chapter 19. He says that the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This way that Jesus would post, always purposefully, is probably it's the most important way because this determines all of the other ways that Jesus would post. Jesus would follow, he would share and retweet, retweet people who don't follow him and aren't like him precisely because his purpose is to seek them out and save them. Jesus would would post, would always post in love precisely because it's love that draws people to him to fulfill his purpose of restoring them to a relationship with God. And the purpose to seek and save the lost, it would also prevent him from using his social media in the opposite way. You see, Jesus would never provoke angry arguments. He would never make fun of anyone. He never used derogatory language about anyone, call people names. And, and it's not because the facts wouldn't back any of those things up. I mean, maybe sometimes we are just idiots. But he, he would do that because his purpose is to seek and to save the lost. And anything that works against that purpose, he would never do. He would never say. He'd never post. And to the extent that, that we do see Jesus calling people out in the New Testament, it's always in the context of religious hypocrisy that is working against his purpose of truly leading people to God. In the Crushed Message series, we've been talking a lot about the byproducts of living in a digital world that are crushing us, things that are affecting us. But this is one thing that we can take ownership of that might be crushing others, how we use social media. If those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did, that also means this. Jesus' followers should use their social media the way Jesus would. Jesus' followers should use their social media the way Jesus would. So ask yourself this. Is your social media inviting, welcoming, and encouraging to people who aren't like you? Who disagree with you? Who don't follow Jesus? They may be the very people that he's called you to reach in the modern-day marketplace where you are interacting with people. Second, is everything you post shared in love? Are the words and images you use, are they kind? Are your posts motivated by building other, uh, others up or is it motivated by tearing other people down? Do you feel like you've won when you say something that really puts someone in their place 
Or do you feel like you've won when you say something that elevates them to someplace better? Would everyone be attracted to you based on what you post? Or would it just be the people who agree with you? And then finally, ask this. Do you post with the same purpose Jesus had to seek and save the lost? Do you post with the purpose of leading people to him? Now, I'm not saying that everything you you share has to be your testimony or Bible verse. Sometimes you just want to share a recipe or a picture of your kid. But does this principle guide what you share and how you share it? Ask yourself this question. If I share this post, does it hurt my ability to lead someone to Jesus? And if I use this language, will it prevent me from pointing someone to Jesus later? We don't have to live crushed by the pressures of living in a digital world. God's got something bigger and better for us. And we can be the people who are alleviating that pressure for others by using our social media the way that Jesus would. Because Jesus followers will use their social media the way that Jesus would. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the overwhelming message throughout this Crushed Message series that you are with us, that you are for us, that you love us, and that you have something better for us. And that no matter what pressures the world throws our way, that you have a better way for each and every single one of us to navigate through it. And I thank you, Lord, that your word shares that with us. But today, Jesus, I pray with my friends, God, that you would help us to reflect the nature and the character of Christ in everything that we do in our online lives. God, I pray that you would help us to be open and inviting to people who aren't like us. I pray, Jesus, that everything we say and do online would be done in love. And I pray, God, that we would recognize the overarching purpose of our lives was the same as the overarching purpose of your life, to seek and to save people who are lost. And I pray, God, that's exactly what you would help us to do every single day. And I pray that our social media platform will be the first place where we invest in loving others and in leading them to you. We thank you. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 